Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This episode of the Dungeon Cast has been brought to you by Hero Forge. Hero Forge offers fully customizable tabletop miniatures with dozens of fantasy species and thousands of parts to choose from. Their easy to use design tool lets you build your perfect miniature online using a fully 3D in-depth character creator right in your web browser. Hero Forge also offers downloadable model files for users to 3D print their unique designs at home. Their 2.0 color technology allows you to create your perfect miniature in color with advanced features like decals, makeup, war paint, and more. Design your unique miniature and get it printed in full color, no painting required. Visit HeroForge.com to start designing your custom miniature today. And check back often. New content is added every week. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is a podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons. And today we are covering The Great Mother. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. How you doing today? I'm so good. Uh, how great is she? She, well, she she kind of sucks. Let's start there. <laughs> she kind of sucks. She's kind of the worst, but she, she, I mean, she's impressive. Great in like an objective sort of she's way. She's great in that she's kind of like the great old ones are great. Yeah. She's it, like amazing or, yes. or wonderful in the very traditional sense of the word. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that. And the year of the beholder is drawing closer and closer to its end, Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, we have covered beholders and beholderkin, large and small, from the tiny, annoying gazer with his incessant yammering and harassment to the to the enormous and horrifying overseers and hive mothers, uh, building and ruling sprawling colonies of hundreds of true beholders. And we have covered pretty much everything between these two extremes. But now it's time to go even bigger. In fact, it's time to go about as big as it gets in D&D for oh even the egotistical, megalomaniacal, and tyrannical beholders have gods. <gasps> time to talk about the great mother this is god this is their god beholder god beholder god wow (laughs) this is cool yeah yeah it's fun stuff so the great mother known more specifically as the great beholder mother is the eldritch matron deity and in fact ultimate deity of all beholder kind Uh, despite what the great mother's title would imply it's not a gendered being the title simply refers to her role as the literal progenitor of beholders as a species for she birthed all the original beholders into existence and continues to birth even more now beholders themselves have no name for their matron deity and they're in their alien minded logic they feel no need to give her one 
Uh, her very nature is utterly unfathomable, even to her own children. And I would say she very much counts as a great old one in a myriad of ways. Definitely a lower level great old one, but still a fantastic choice for a warlock patron. This is this episode will be titled Beholders Semicolon Origins. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> so more like more like a great old one. So not they them pronouns, she her pronouns. I'm just continuing with she her because that's how she's written. But like just to be clear, like she is way above and beyond like any sexual gender. She's not a sexual being. The concept of gender doesn't apply to, to this necessarily to the great mother. No, I see. No, okay, absolutely. So the great mother is known to have two forms. Uh, the first, as a gargantuan beholder that slowly and silently drifts through the lower planes of existence. Ooh. Her bloated body is coated in layers of random debris, including small stones and shells, encrusted gems, armor scraps, damaged weapons, skeletons, dragon's teeth, and other refuse. Uh, beyond this, it is said to be impossible to describe the Great Mother in any great detail. This is floating spherical Tamatoa <laughs> from Moana. Yeah, sure, absolutely. <laughs> you know that dude from Flight of the Concords? Uh, yes, yes, He's yes. the voice of yes, Tamatoa. Yes, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. He does a great job. Oh, I fucking love cool. him. Uh, the features of the Great Mother's inconceivable form are in are ever in a state of constant flux. Why this is so is up for debate. It could simply be a reflection of the entity's sheer complexity, or it could be tied to her apparent connection with chaos as a force of reality. Okay. Or it could be an indication of her far realm origins. Regardless, despite her ever-changing form, her presence is always completely enthralling to beholders that behold her. For in their own distorted minds, they perceive her as exhibiting their traits and features reflected back at them in divine perfection. I love this. This is so good. Yeah. Uh, like having it be far realm related is starting to really tie in like why beholder do. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. They're they're eldritch, you know, abominations. So. And they're reality manipulating like presence. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, good. Yes. Good. So the second form she's known uh, to hold is that of the entire layer of the bit of the abyss in which she holds court, an infinite labyrinth of black stone and writhing flesh dotted by countless eyes. We will go over this aspect of the Great Mother later on in this episode. I was going to ask when you mentioned the lower planes if that meant. Like the abyss specifically. So, like, you know what? Part of this is just conflicting lore and nature, um, you know, across the the editions. But mm. part of this is just that she's got kind of got uh, a conflicting. She transcends reality in a lot of ways. So sure. she both is this bloated beholder that wanders all of the lower planes, and also layers in the abyss specifically on one layer and also kind of is that layer in itself. So she's like all these things at once and none of it makes sense. <laughs> she's everything and nothing at the same exactly. time. I would have been uh, like set off or put off by this beholder God not having a layer. So I feel like layers are very like part of a beholder's identity. True. Yeah, absolutely. I would say so. Cool. Um, well, she does. And she also is the lair. Yeah. <laughs> um, cryptic and unknowable, the Great Mother lacks any mythos or pre-existing pantheon or even an origin story at all. It is simply stated that at some point in ancient history, she came to be in the multiverse. I would hazard a guess that she most likely slipped willingly or haplessly from the eldritch depths of the Far Realm and into the outer reaches of the Outer Plains. Um, the second edition supplement, Monstrous Arcana, I Tyrant, puts forth an unsupported theory of a supposed prime evil entity titled the Fragmented God. Under the model of the frag fragmented god, the Great Mother is perceived as merely a portion of an original, quote-unquote, evil eye. What with, the grumsh! <laughs> with other eye gods existing along with other entities like an all-eating mouth and all-encompassing logic. 
uh, if these innumerable and horrid parts of the fragmented God can ever be reunited, it is thought the reformed entity would become a reality-expanding threat of immeasurable danger. So you're saying it's not it's not Grouch's eye that became the Beholder God. It's <laughs> no. It's like uh, that would be interesting. What yeah. happened to Grouch's missing eye? That's a great question. I don't know off the top of my head. This would be a cool. I feel like it is accounted for at some point in time. <laughs> the eye of Grouch. So it's yeah. like a hag's brew, you know? Yeah. Like I mean, they got the eye of Vecna, so why not the eye of Grouch? It could be the eye yeah. of Grouch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What other what other god like the hand of Vecna? Yeah. Yeah, you have the hand and the eye of Vecna. We could so. form we could form so two we have two eyes for this god. Yeah. And, and a, a hand. hand. <laughs> now we just need some other body parts. <laughs> we have uh uh no, the obsidian dragons from the Sardier lore wouldn't yeah. really count. No. I'm trying to find a body. No, yeah, yeah. Mm. So regardless of her origins or how she came to be in the cosmos, her first act after entering entering it was to seed it with her spawn. Great. All beholders and beholderkin are her progeny, some of which are said to even match her in size and rival her avatar in power. Um, and beholders are only the most well-known of the Great Mother's aberrant brood. She's also credited by some as the entity that wrought gibbering orbs and other lesser-known monstrosities into existence. Some scholars believe that the gibbering orbs are actually the ancestors of both beholderkin and gibbering mouthers, which would make the two aberrations cousins of the Gross. Yeah. This is gross. This I was going to say uh, gibbering mouther came up, and I was like, what's a gibbering orb? Is that like the gibbering mouther? Which oh, we yeah, we, we talked about the orb. It's we, like a gibbering mouther, but ten times as big in a floating orb. Was that in the Mouther episode? Yes. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Absolutely. So uh, this giving me vibes like uh, Pale Knight, the demon lord Pale Knight, who, the mother of monsters. Uh, we talked about her in the Baphomet episode and in the Grost episode. Oh, she's Grost's mother. It's been a while, yeah. but that's kind of ringing a bell. Yeah, so it's giving me vibes like that. A lot of the stuff we talk about for that like one hour mm-hmm. and then like I don't, we don't talk about it again. Yeah, you can't it's hold really it all in your head. It's really hard for me to hold on no, to that. No, totally understandable. <laughs> So how she went about that massive birthing of her children is another topic of debate. Some legends say that she possesses phagogenesis, the ability to reproduce through devouring other organisms. Upon her original travels through the cosmos, she encountered and devoured powerful beings and through unions involving their their consumption, birthed an untold diversity of children. The Great Mother's otherworldly diet is thought to have resulted in some of the more bizarre beholderkin abominations and hideous lower planar entities in the cosmos. Oh, man, this gave me major Doctor Strange Supreme vibes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Other versions of the Great Mother's history had her take a more traditional approach when she personally uh, laid a vast array of cosmic eggs across the worlds and dimensions. These eggs spawned a race of beings known as the Beholder Ancients, Mm. many of which were said to be destroyed by the Great Mother in a Beholder-like fit of perfectionist rage with with only Gizmonid and a few... uh, (laughs) And a few hive mothers living through the process. Gizmonid is like one of her sons and also a beholder deity. I'm really happy you went with the, like the hard G sound and not the soft G sound. Oh my goodness, no. <laughs> Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, some that study the Great Mother come to the conclusion that she is an entity lacking in any form of sanity, acting irrationally and with no detectable pattern and towards no particular goal, and portraying none of the ruthless logic possessed by her children, mortal beholders. Others have deduced and claim that she is not only an intelligent being, but a dangerously intelligent being. The method behind her madness is said to simply be beyond the ability of most other beings to fathom. Regardless, whether crazy or mindless, the Great Mother is an entity that appears to be composed of utter chaos and capricious whimsy, uh, acting primarily on instinct and impulse. 
Okay. And yet it is also written in some source books that the Great Mother spends much of her inactive times philosophizing to herself about the nature of chaos and evil and is quite possibly the greatest sage on either subject in the cosmos. (laughs) So again, conflicting lore, yeah. This thing is nuts. Yeah, this thing is crazy. It's horrible and uh, amazing. At the very least, she is reported to inexplorably cruise through space deep in thought, always incomprehensibly gibbering in an alien proto-language while experiencing bizarre visions. (laughs) So she, she's, she's, she's going through it up there. Just was this a Rick and Morty character? This is a Rick and Morty character. That's exactly what it is. Okay, that's too funny. Wait. I mean, they look, made the look D- at that Morty. They made the Rick and Morty D and D book, so it's gotta I be. I haven't looked at it. We've gotta we be gotta there. Look at it. You know, I was days. asking some folks about it, and no one seems to really have care. a good hold about what it is or, yeah. or care. Yeah. It was. It was a weird idea. I feel like it's more for like. Have you seen the Rick and Morty Dragon episode? No, but I heard I've heard a lot about God, it. I, I was told I should watch with, it with the dragon, the dragon soul bond. But I, it's like they're having an orgasm. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's fucking so funny, dude. I was trying to explain dragons to somebody in yeah. a workplace setting, yeah. and somebody mentioned that episode. Yeah, like you know, like blah blah. It's like because they hadn't seen the Hobbit, and like <laughs> but they, they saw the Rick and Morty episode, read Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit, uh-huh. but they've seen the Rick and Morty episode, so they yeah. had a touchstone for dragons. Sure, yeah, and I would say the Rick and Morty dragons are literally D and D dragons, except for they bond with you and have an orgasm over it. Like so, f- oh well, regular dragons like to fuck. That's yeah. true, but with them, they they just like to get to know you really well, and then they have a soul bond, and it's really gross. Great, Boulders believe her to be an omniscient <laughs> being possessing deep, exclusive, hidden knowledge of the nature of reality. But her in her divine perfection, she's incapable of sharing it with any but the most intelligent entities, mm. lest their minds break from what is revealed. Oh man, so. Just a lot of, like, she's either completely mindless, stupid, and insane, or maybe the most brilliant entity in the universe, one or the other. Right, and it's just a constant sliding scale. Exactly. That's what it seems like. The Great Mother is jealous and egotistical, refusing to acknowledge or maybe unable to acknowledge even the notion that she could be mistaken. Befitting the deity of eye tyrants, she is said to have her own bizarre standards for her creations and destroys and devours any she finds displeasing. Mm. Some scholars say that the Great Mother's true motivation and intention is straightforward and rudimentary. It is a singular, primal drive to propagate and fill the multiverse with her spawn. The Great Mother seeks to replace all life with her children, and in that sense, each beholder is a reflection of her desire to self-replicate and remake reality in her image. Her endless travels only come to temporary stops when she decides to produce offspring, either on other worlds or in her lair. Neglectful and self-absorbed, she concerns herself only with the spread of her offspring, caring little for the irrelevant activities of mortals and gods alike. Now let's sidebar, Will. Yes. What do you think the spreading of the offspring looks like? In your mind, when you picture that, like, okay, Um, the great mother floating through space, et cetera, and then... Well... We we know that her children do the whole like reality altering thing in their dreams, and since she is always philosophizing and having fucking bizarre visions, mm-hmm. um, I would say maybe she doesn't so much have phagogenesis as she does eat everything she comes across, and then she probably has visions and dreams about the things that she interacts with, and so maybe there's a correlation between the things she eats and the things she creates, creates, mm. eats and creates. Uh, but I don't think she's actually eating and then creating. I think she's eating and then thinking about and then creating. It's like delicious. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, and exactly. Like a portal exactly. opens up. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I was thinking a much more like physical like sort of thing where okay, yeah. floating through space. Sure. And then like a very violent uh, 
maybe not maybe violence not the word but a very high vibration uh of the body uh, and like okay. pollen oh yeah like, like spores like, like spores sp- like spores i like that yeah that's a, that's, that's a cool idea i like that that's disgusting <laughs> as, as she is <laughs> So even the activities of her own creations are considered trifling matters. She does not communicate to any of her children and only uh, occasionally intercedes with a great number uh, are when a great number are endangered and sometimes not even then. Uh, she's <laughs> <laughs> well, only if she's I feel like, like it. I fucking care. <laughs> like, I'm, know, about t- to, I'm about to shake right now. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll just eat one of them and yeah, make like a thousand. Exactly. She said to have allowed the beholders of an entire world go extinct before. Oh. Uh, still being a creature of unfathomable randomness, she might also manifest powers in response to invocations, send whole avatars to deal with issues regarding small groups, or even more rarely attempt to avenge the death of just one. So, I mean, it really is about her mood, really. Like, you yeah. might have killed her favorite child. Exactly. I was just going to yeah. say, which beholders did you kill? Yes. Yeah. Like, that's that's kind of what matters. They and all like, scale. Like, which beholders did you kill? When did you kill them? And how was she feeling when you killed them how many gazers did you eat like grapes yeah so disgusting (laughs) um as one would imagine boulder clerics are incredibly rare and not just because their anti-magic cone neutralizes most attempts to utilize divine magic although i'm very positive that is a major factor okay um but also it goes against their fundamental nature to conceive of a being dedicated conceive themselves of being dedicated to higher powers. Yeah, okay. As such, the Great Mother lacks an official beholder priesthood to conduct rituals and celebrations or lead the devoted. Because none of these none of these motherfuckers give a shit about it at all. Well, it's not that they don't give a shit. It's just like that, like, that isn't how, like, they're not going to prostrate themselves before anything or anyone. That goes against their nature. Yeah. Um, but it's that just, that's how it is all the way down the line. Yeah, but that's not to say that beholders are great, are like unfaithful like uh beholders are greatly faithful creatures that express their perpetual piety to the great mother in their own way okay um in the minds of beholders great mother is the perfect being and the personification of truth with all their beings being perfect imperfect uh in addition all beholders view themselves as the closest representation that any physical being can come to it to mirroring true divinity so that's why they think they are supreme and everyone else is an aberration. They're like, I am a reflection of the goddess. Yeah. Isn't um, this a big a parallel to chromatic dragons, the way they think? A little bit, yeah. They, yeah, there, there is a lot of that because a lot of chromatic dragons see themselves in Tiamat. They see Tiamat as reflecting the the, the vices, if you will, or the, the strengths of their particular dragon species. So, like, you know, red dragonborns see her as, like, well, the, the, the mightiest, the most powerful, while... A green may see her as like the most ambitious and cunning. You know what I mean? Right. And, and it's the same with giants as well. They I was just going to say thing, yeah. the more Mog. The more Mog. The more Mog. Like you're trying to mirror. If you are Mog, you are mirroring like giant hood. And right. that is exactly. like, yes. like the gods. The gods will. Uh, on him? Yeah. 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 Okay. I remember that stuff. Sure. Absolutely. So most beholders strongly believe from birth that they are the ultimate mortal incarnation of the Great Mother and vividly, albeit delusionally, remembering, uh, remember the event of their birth as if she personally spawned them. <laughs> so like, Stupid. they, you okay. know, we both know, we've talked about how beholders are born. That's not how they remember it. N- no, yeah, yeah. They were like, they're I like, saw, no, I came from mom. I saw mom and then I saw like whatever the yeah. fucking inside and she of she told me is. I was the chosen one. And then I had to kill the, whatever this dude is in front of me because he's not the chosen yeah, one. Exactly. He's sleeping and beholders shouldn't be sleeping right. when you got somebody behind your back. <laughs> <laughs> it is because of this that each beholder views the concept of themselves as belonging to a, 
uh, behold a race as a ridiculous notion held only by lesser races, unaware that they are actually completely unique beings that are not related at all. <laughs> and every beholder strives to truly exemplify their great mother in body and mind and slaughtering inferior beholders. Those that show any variations is the greatest possible display of this devotion. Uh, okay, what kind of variations are we talking about? I mean, here? Did, like you, you have scaly skin, and I have uh, uh, moldy skin. You have crystallized moldy cheese skin. Yeah, time to die. Exactly, <laughs> this is exactly right. You look like a minion. Yeah. Time to die. Don't Just wear that goggle over stop your one eye. Shade at our final beholder, Brian. We build a beholder at the end of episodes. So you guys should check it out at the end of the episode. You should. You should. Despite this universal reverence, beholders generally do not wish for the great mother to be personally interested in them. Instead, holding her in a kind of kind of fearful religious awe. This is wise on the beholder's half, since learning that the great mother's mind is actually truly and utterly alien even to them would come as a massive shock. Oh. Yeah. The challenge of their worldview between the preconceived notions of identity and the truth behind their idealized role model would, in all likelihood, sever their already tenuous connection to sanity. Okay. This is... <laughs> This is all very upsetting. <laughs> I yeah, yeah. I don't know how to describe yeah, it otherwise. Because exactly. we're essentially talking about a great old one right now. Yes, we are. But it's like a great old one. It, see, we did this. We did this in such a way, right? We talked mm-hmm. about all these beholders, and now we're talking about like the root cause at the very end of the yeah. tail end of this. Yes. And and it's really hard to like walk it walk it back yeah. the other way and yeah, I'm, sure. I'm like trying to wrap my mind about like what is going on here <laughs> so they see god uh-huh for probably not and then are no. born yeah and then are just different inherently from god in most in in, in, in every in one well in one very essential way which is like they live on the material plane most of the time yeah sure yeah and absolutely. they're into material shit no not really Bowlers really aren't that materialistic no they they okay they're they're lair yeah, they don't like collect treasure unless they're the, I mean, ma- sometimes the one they, that eats magic items. Yeah, well, they'll collect stuff like, you know, um, trophies of their conquered and stuff like that. Yes, and they collect subjugates. Yes, exactly. But that's just to like, carry tyrants. out some nefarious plot. Like, they are tyrannical. It's what they do. Yeah, okay. So. This, is weird. This, is so <laughs> this is good. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a short rest. Let's take a short rest. We've returned. Do we have? Hey, we have a P.O. box. Oh, yeah, we do. There's a link, (laughs) a link, the link to the P.O. box. The address for the P.O. box is in the description below. Uh, send us something like a postcard or a letter or whatever, whatever you want. We'll read on the show. Don't know what to send us? We have an Amazon wish list. You can check that out. Send us stuff to display on our YouTube background. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll shout you out. <laughs> and um, you can also follow us on social media of various kinds, including TikTok. And you can follow me on Instagram at B and D and D underscore some letters. Don't worry about it. You'll see a picture of me. <laughs> Back to the great mother. Yes. So occasionally, Brian, humanoids can be drawn to the belief of divinity by certain beholders. Uh, one major one being the Great Mother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the, the, the main one. Yeah. Uh, the most faithful of these cultists are given the opportunity to become ocular adepts. Now, we talked a little bit about ocular adepts uh, in the um, gazer episode. Okay. Because they beholders will fucking surgically graft a gazer into the fucking skull of an ocular eye. That's right. Yeah. That's what it is. Hey, you want those good eyes that we got? Yeah. I got some spares. And it drives them crazy. Too, yeah, totally. I mean, they were already crazy. Let's yeah, be real they let there. somebody sew a monster into their face. Yeah, indeed. Debased and desperate, yet nonetheless devoted servants, ocular adepts in their quest for even a fraction of perfection, enter a pact with a beholder or the grandmother and have a, a eye of a gazer surgically implanted into their skulls. The process requires a stalwart mind, willpower, and physical fortitude to survive. Uh, so most don't. <laughs> <laughs> Other cults are so stupid. Demon Gorgon's the only good cult. Yeah, yeah indeed. Absolutely. Uh, stupid cults. <clears throat> Shout out to Demon Gorgon. Shout out to Demon um, Gorgon. The Great Mother dwells in the sixth layer of the abyss, known as the Realm of a Million Eyes, a cave system of innumerable twisting tunnels, winding in all directions and in multiple dimensions. The walls of the realm are studded with eyes, each belonging to the Great Mother herself, indicating that she is herself the sixth layer of the abyss. <laughs> cool. Evil beholders and beholderkin of every type are abundant. Now, hold up. All, pretty much all beholders are evil. The only one I think we talked about that wasn't spectators. So I guess the only one that isn't here is spectators. And they're neutral. And they're neutral. Yeah. They're Sometimes like, they're good. They're barely even beholders, really. Like, yeah, they're kind of their own thing going on. Like, me, like the, and visually, they are beholders. Yes. Otherwise. But mm, everything else about them is the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Evil beholders and beholderkin of every type are abundant within the realm, all of which exhibit great devotion to their creator. These abyssal beholders prey upon each other along with anyone else demon or otherwise that stumble into them the most cruel and elderly beholders of the realm of a million eyes act as the enforcers of the realm since the great mother herself has no interest in managing her own domain um though the prep the, though the precise nature of the relationship is questionable the lesser deity gizmanid gizemanid 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 i think Zem, I, I like gizmanid better 
uh, is the only one of her countless mortal descendants that managed to ascend to godhood. He is the lesser god of gases, fogs, obscurement, and deception. He's basically wheezing. He's wheezing, <laughs> wheezing the Pokemon. <laughs> He's wheezing the Pokemon. He's wheezing. Or coughing. He's more like coughing. He's more, he, he's, have he doesn't have like multiple spheres. Coughing is as close to a beholder as a Pokemon's ever gonna get. Am I right? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't feel like going down. <laughs> You're like, can we not? Can we just you not? wait wait a minute? That wait. Uh, yeah? I think so. Is there no one-eyed Pokemon? Well, I mean, I'm sure there's one-eyed, but it is like this orbular floating nasty monster. Yeah, yeah, it does. It has hover. Yeah, and it's got like little tubulars that you could see growing into eye stalks at some point. But yeah, they aren't never they supposed will. to be like smokestacks, right? I guess. They're, they're, they're like little... No, I know, I see what you mean. Yeah, Like, definitely, yeah. definitely, I see yeah. the, 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 oh, God. I'm just saying. Coughing like, is like one of the grossest Pokemon. <laughs> Come on, ever. Can I, can I tell coughing you, and wheezing are horrible. Can I tell you a secret? Uh, it won't be after this. Yeah, you know that, right. Coughing makes my top ten favorite Pokemon. Well, that's good. As long as you know that it's, it's still, love- it can be your favorite. It can even look like you're, it can even be the best looking one. Like to you. I would never. But you gotta, you gotta tell me right now that you think that shit is gross. Oh yeah, it's gross. Okay, I good. would not want to be near a coughing. <laughs> it's just the adorable smile on its face and just coughing. It's just, it's uh, yeah. so pleased with in itself. the anime, sure. Yeah, but in it, you in real life, if yes. you had that shit and you're like, I choose you, and this thing comes out, it's gonna be like. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, fucking get back in the ball. Where's your mask? <laughs> I love coffee. All right, back to Gizmonid. Gizmonid dwells underneath. Oh, thank you, by yeah. the way, for saying Gizmonid and not Gizmonid. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> so it's, oh, my gosh. I'm looking at it now. I'm realizing it's almost an anagram of Gaze Mind. You're right, though. It's, yeah. <laughs> so, so the hard G is warranted. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be Gaze <laughs> I was yeah. so scared. Gizemnid. 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 It's probably something like Gizemnid. I hate this shit. Ah, oh, fuck. We're going to get absolutely blown up oh, about yeah, this. It's, it's fine. I don't give a fuck. Gizemnid <laughs> dwells underneath the Outlands purportedly because he is actively hiding for the Great Mother herself. Legends say that he only originally escaped her wrath long ago due to his master illusory skill. Ooh. Whether this story is patently false or perhaps enough time has passed to change the nature of the relationship is unclear. But the Great Mother was said to be witnessed both recognizing and making noise of approval when approached by her son. Giz- by her son. Gizmonid in kind treated her with respect, albeit the form of respect given to a force of nature rather than a rational being. Okay. That tracks. So sure. I, I don't know what moment it's referring to because I feel like it is a written moment somewhere in a source book or a novel. But that's the information I got. He took fucking shelter is what yeah, it sounds like. he took shelter like. until things cooled off. Yeah, he was like, hey, I'm up here. I, I see you, though. Yeah, basically. Um, so how to use her in a, in a campaign? Um, I have a few ideas on how you would, like, actually utilize the Great Mother in your campaign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Firstly, Warlock Patron. You know, uh, if if she is your patron, uh, how do you utilize her in the story? Well, in a way that doesn't make you the bad guy. Well, maybe the Great Mother wants you, her Warlock Patron, to kill an eye tyrant getting uncomfortably close to apotheosis. Okay. Like, hey, my child's getting uppity, thinks that he or she is a deity or getting close to it, and I don't like that shit, so go kill him. Nice. You know what I mean? Like, nice. there. Now the Great Mother is, like... Involved, but also your warlock isn't the bad guy. Yeah, your warlock, your warlock is like balancing an, a force of nature, exactly. or a force of evil. Yeah, then that that can be like seen from multiple aspects. Right. Okay. Right. Um, 
I have an idea for how you might use her as like the big bad or like the, if not the big bad itself, then the the force that catapults the big bad and all the bad things that are happening in your campaign. Like she's the thing that is behind it. Okay. Um, in this scenario, I've painted the great mother has birthed her ultimate creation, a psionic pathogen that causes the infected to transform into one of her own children um, in their sleep slowly over the course of a month. The source of the pathogen is a new type of beholder that infiltrates civilizations and spreads the psionic disease from a hidden location. It's a it's a merchant selling beholder shaped gummies. I said, eat these. Eat these. These are gonna bolster your immune system like you wouldn't believe. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. <laughs> It'll change your life. Absolutely. You, you will see the world differently. <laughs> I love it. Yes, absolutely. Um, what is that? I've been looking uh, like in between um, paragraphs. I've been looking for that ranger spell that makes a thousand arrows or whatever fucking go off. All Cordon at once. of arrows. Cordon of arrows. That's yeah. what it is. Um, where the fuck is that? Anyway, uh, you're falling down the sixth layer of the abyss. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you busting out to fuck up all these eyes? I mean, Cordon of Arrows, for sure. That was Absolutely. my first yeah. thought after um, after my actual first thought, magic which was... Magic Missile, I guess? Salt. Just a lot of it. It's a lot of salt. Just Throw like the fucking Umbrella Girl, like the big fucking, you know, the mm. cylinders mm-hmm. of salt. I just fucking bust yeah. out two of You're those. Just like, doing like spiral dances as you're falling through the air. Good thing I um, changed out my ball bearing canisters for these fucking packages of salt that's ridiculous yeah. ridiculous any questions <laughs> comments concerns about the great mother i'm very concerned about it but i don't have um too many questions other than like what why what edition is this is this a fifth edition lore like where, where are we um getting no this? i nothing's really been written much i mean a few things i think here and there but this is all mostly second and third edition Okay. This is, you know, this 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 is lore. You're never going to stat her out. A lot so of the it, best it, Beholder it, it, it lore has been from second and third yeah, edition. Yeah, Beholder was hot in the streets back in the 80s. Man, can you imagine <laughs> a fucking, like, battalion of space Beholders uh, from, like, the Spelljammer ones, mm-hmm. like, getting bombed on and calling out to the Great Mother, like, Mother, save us, we're dying. Cool. And her She'll just, just be- send an Asteroid over there. <laughs> <laughs> About to eat that ass. <laughs> Droids. Reader, whoops, oh, asteroids. Uh, all right, it's long rest time. This is ridiculous. We got one more beholder episode this year, guys. We'll see you next time. Oh man, hey everybody, welcome to the long rest. Today, we're talking about how to get eight hours, and uh, podcasting is not it. That is not gonna help no, you sleep. No, no, I never sleep. <laughs> Hey, we got people on Patreon. Uh, I'll be at only a few, but we do got them. We got new patrons. It's time to shout them out. We got new patrons. We're going to do these ones real big. Uh, Let's just give, like, they're not on here, but I'm pretty sure they should be. Uh, The Last Mile. Even if you didn't, if you didn't do it again. You deserve another one. We're shouting you again. Thank you, The Last Mile. Thanks, The Last Mile. Um, And a big shout out to everybody that's been, like, keeping on in there for a long time now. Um, thank you guys so much. Um, Will has kind of mentioned that there's going to be some new Patreon content starting, like probably around next year, early next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, we got we got a lot of plans for Patreon. So um, finally, I'm it's very, been a little dry. I'm very Sorry. excited for for what we're going to be offering, and, and we can't thank you guys enough for everyone who's been supporting us all this time. You guys really do make the show go round. Yeah, um, you yeah, do. seriously. Uh, so anyway, uh, thank you, Brent Lowe. Thank you, Brett. Brent. Brent. Brent, thank you. Thank, thank you, Brent. You. Thank you, Brent. Brent, Lowe. With, Brent with a T. Thank you, Brent. You like Trent, but okay. with a B in front of instead of a gotcha. T. Gotcha. Thank you, Brent. Thank you. Uh, and and spelled differently. These these are it's 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 low, I'm pretty sure, or uh-huh. lof. 
uh, you know, the GH on there. Now, thank you also, Jordan Lowe. Thank you, Jordan Lowe. The Lowe brothers. Like, but they're not well, actually no, related. See, I tried yeah, to preface that yeah. so you didn't say that. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. Anyway. <laughs> thank you, George. Jordan? Jordan. Jordan and Brent. Jordan. Both Lowe. Both Lowe, different Lowe. Both, both awesomely supporting us. Thank you, both of you guys. One of them is like, live, laugh, low. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> live, laugh, low. And the other one's like, le- like, uh, like Fred Low. Or is it like Lowe's, like the department store? Yeah, like Lowe's, like the department store. But I, I try not to like, uh, my people don't really know my last name, but it's McDonald. And I try not to associate with the restaurant so much. So I, <laughs> yeah, tried, to, I tried to give this yeah, person a little I, bit know, of I, a... I never think about your last name as being related to Big Macs, but... Oh, people do, my I'm friend. I'm sure they yeah. do. I'm sure they do, man. <laughs> they I'm absolutely sure they do. do. Come at me. Uh, anyway, we got a contest winner. Um, I'm pretty sure this was for coffee. I'm not handling. Oh these yeah, yeah, anymore, yeah. It's, it's I, the final. Yeah, it's our final coffee winner. That's so exactly th- what thank it is. you to the Adventures Coffee Company for sponsoring a bunch of coffee giveaways. That yes. was awesome. And thank you to All D Twenty for the awesome dice. Oh um, yeah, we got more. We got stuff with them coming up in the. As a matter of fact, this episode we'll announce it out right after this. Don't forget to take some photos that I owe. To Michelle. Oh, so yeah. um, now we got to do uh, that. That was it for Patreon. I mean, check out your bonus content. There's oh, like we didn't whole... actually announce her name, man. Oh, sorry for the contest winner. <laughs> well, it, a DMS Color Inc. I'm pretty sure. DMS Color Inc. Thank DMs you very Color much. Inc. Thank you for entering the contest. Hope you enjoyed your coffee. Uh, speaking of contests, real quick, we are we are in the middle of negotiating, and we've pretty much already negotiated a collab with D20 Collective, which is a dice making company. We're giving away one of their, I think, crystal dice sets. Um, and the way you enter is this is going to be a Twitter giveaway. Go ahead and go to Twitter. Um, at the time we're posting this episode, the Twitter post should be there and pinned. And with all the directions, what you got to do, but I believe the directions are uh, follow both us and D20 Collective on Twitter and retweet and share the post. And you will be entered uh, for a chance to win this really, really nice dice set. And uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, gem dice, you said? Crystal uh, dice? I think they're crystal dice. That's yeah. fucking cool, man. Yeah, really I've always cool. wanted a set like that, like stones or wood. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that's awesome. Thank you guys so much uh, for collabing with us. And um, <clears throat> I think on that note, we can call it a game. Yeah, let's call it a game. Goodbye, everyone. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.